Good evening, Grace Covenant Church. Thank you for being with us tonight for our Good Friday service as we come to commemorate and celebrate the death of Christ. As humans, we're always longing for a Savior. Whether a politician, a spouse, a parent, a friend, a pastor, or a superhero, we are all enamored with the idea that someone would save us. Just look at your favorite streaming channels and behold the longing for a superhuman to save us. Tonight we celebrate the reality that someone has come to save us and he did save us, but that it came with a cost. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 19 through 22 this evening. Hear the word of God. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Hear the word of God this evening. Now friends, as we come to God's word tonight, we're going to go through three quick points. It's not going to be a long sermon, I hope. The three things that we are going to undertake tonight, the three main points, if you are a note taker, number one is the fullness of God. We're going to unpack what does it mean, this phrase, the fullness of God. The second thing that we are going to unpack tonight is going to be the sinfulness of man. And then thirdly, we're going to unpack his body of flesh. And as we go through these three things, you're going to come to understand that we are going to be talking about tonight just a small theological issue called the hypostatic union. Now, we have a kid's song that talks about Jesus, and it says he's fully God and fully man, and that's kind of hard to understand. Now, let me try to explain that's what we're going to do tonight. So we start off with this idea of the fullness of God. When we read in verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What an interesting phrase that we get. And there are two verbs in this sentence that need to garner our attention as we look at it. We need to look at them a bit more closely. So as we look to Christ, who is our Savior, we are reassured that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. So the first one being this pleased. It pleased God, meaning that God, the Trinity, took delight in Christ's incarnation. This points to the will of God before the foundation of the world, that he would send Christ with the fullness of God. That's kind of hard to understand. But it's beautiful that he would be pleased. He was happy to do this, this plan of reconciliation that Christ would do. The second is to dwell. That's the other verb that needs our attention this night. 
noting that the fullness of God actually dwelt in Christ. So this is one part of what theologians would call the hypostatic union. Now, I'm going to take a guess that not all of us understand what hypostatic means. And maybe all of you are like, of course we understand that, Andrew. That's child's play. Well, I needed a little help, so hopefully this will help somebody tonight. The idea of hypostasis means that something substantially exists. So when we look at a hypostatic union, this is meaning that there are two things that are substantially existing. A union of both being fully God and fully man. This is the hypostatic union. So this dwelling is fully God. So Christ is the fullness of God dwelling in a person. Now you might think I spent too much time thinking about this, but when we go right into the next part of this phrase, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. If we don't properly understand that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ, he could not reconcile all things. To reconcile is a good word to think about because we're going to see it in this way in the Greek mentioned two times in our passage and the only other time that it's mentioned in this type of formation in the Greek is going to be in Ephesians 2.16 and we'll look at that in a little bit. But to reconcile very simply is to make things right with one another. I'll say it again. To reconcile is to make things right with one another. So how glorious then that God took it upon himself to make things right, both on heaven and earth. This not just being some sort of personal salvation, but a cosmic one. All things were affected by the fall and sin. And Christ, through the fullness of God, because he is the fullness of God, makes things right again. So in the fullness of God, he was pleased to dwell, reconciled to himself, and he makes peace. So through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So how does Christ, fully God, make peace for us? How does he make things right? How does he restore a harmonious relationship on earth and heaven? Simply by the blood of his cross. Did you notice the language there when we read through it? Not the blood of the cross, but the blood of his cross. Christ owned that cross. That was his cross from before eternity. He knew that he would come to that cross to die for our sins. It is his cross. You see, we needed somebody with the fullness of God to take the full wrath of God in our place. A verse that gets talked about a lot on Good Friday and Easter is Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6. And this is what it says. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Whoa. No mere man could have the iniquity of all sin laid on him. It would be impossible for a man of just flesh and bone to take on all of sin. We needed a savior who was fully God to take the full wrath of God. The Bible says that he not only reconciled us, but made peace for us. And as we just read in Isaiah, Christ was stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. He carried our iniquities because we are all sinners. To have peace means that the hostility of God or the wrath of God has been satisfied. What a glorious truth. But it points to another hard truth. We are all sinners. Verse 20 picks up on this idea, or verse 21 And this is where we go to point number two. We have a Savior who's fully God, but we come to point number two, which is the sinfulness of man. Verse 21 reads, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. There are three things that verse 21 tells us about who we are. The first thing that verse 21 tells us is that we are alienated. We are estranged from God, separated from him. This is because we both inherit sin from Adam and because we want to sin and we're sinners and we choose to sin by our own choice. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 3.23 is one that probably a lot of people have memorized. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're alienated from God in our sinfulness. The second thing that describes us is hostile in mind. That's not something we like to think about ourselves. We hate God in our minds. Our thoughts betray that our minds aren't on God. Romans 8, 6 through 8 states, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Starting to look dim, isn't it? The third thing that this verse describes of us as humans are are people who do evil deeds. We are naturally inclined to do evil. We want to do evil. Romans 3.10 and following says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. No one understands. Oh, I'm sorry. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. 
Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The Baptist Catechism answers this really simple question, which this is driving at. What is sin? The answer, sin is any want or conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Now we needed a savior who was fully God to be able to take all of the, the sin and wrath from God. And then we realize, oh wait, that's me. That's me contributing that sin to God. Not, not some sort of righteousness. It's my um, hostility of mind. It's my evil deeds. It's my alienation. That's what I bring to God in this. And yet, we read of the body of his flesh. Our third main point. We read in verse 22, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Now we see that word again, don't we? Reconciled. To make things right with one another. To restore a previous harmonious relationship. Like I told you, this word is only used three times in this way. In the New Testament, we obviously know that reconciled is used much more than three times. But in this way, it's only used three times. And the other place is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16. And this is what it says. Talking about Christ, and might reconcile us, both the God in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He needed to be in flesh because by Christ's work, on the cross, he killed the hostility, the wrath of God for those he has reconciled. But he accomplished this reconciliation through the body of his flesh. So not just the fullness of God, but the fullness of flesh. This is another part that was needed. Hebrews 2.17 tells us, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He needed to come in flesh and he needed to be pierced for our transgressions. His blood needed to be spilt because there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood is what Hebrews 9 tells us. He needed to be the spotless lamb. And by his blood, from his flesh, we are now reconciled. In a book that we hand out here every week by Greg Gilbert, it's called What is the Gospel? I want you to hear how he summarizes this. He says, put simply, the Bible tells us that Jesus is both completely human and completely God. This is a crucial point to understand about him. For it is only the fully human, fully divine Son of God who can save us. 
If Jesus were just another man, like us in every respect, including our fallenness and sin, he would no more be able to save us than one dead man can save another. But because he is the Son of God, without sin, and equal in divine perfection to God the Father, he is able to defeat death and save us from our sin. In the same way, it is also critical that Jesus be truly one of us, that is, fully human, so that he can rightly represent us before his Father. We needed fully God, or truly God, and truly man. But that's not all that Christ has done. We see the next phrase, to present. He presents us holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. When you look at the word present, I want you to understand the, he, or the Greek says to make or render you. So read that again. To make or render you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Friends, you can't do those things. Those things are not in your power. Those things are only in the power of a full, truly God, truly man, Savior. So the three things that are talked about are holy or set apart, blameless before God. The reality of, remember how sinful we are. We talked about Romans 3 and just how awful we are in our mind, in our alienation, and in our deeds. And we stand blameless before God, no longer under the condemnation for sin. And we get this phrase of being above reproach before God. Friends, you cannot make yourselves any of those three things only by Christ being fully God and fully man. So, in conclusion, the longing for a Savior, the longing for peace is not a bad thing. This is something that God has placed in our hearts to long for the actual Savior of the world. To reconcile lost sinners, a sacrifice needed to be made. Tonight we celebrate the sacrifice. We celebrate that Christ, fully God, fully man, made the perfect sacrifice for sin by his cross in order to save his people unto himself. If you're sitting here tonight wondering how you too can be saved, Put your trust and faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Forsake your sins and hold fast to the gospel or the good news about the God-man you heard tonight. Friend, there came a hypostatic Savior and he has made peace for us all. Let's pray. God, we need you and we see that you have sent your Savior to save us. In your incredible will from before the foundation of the earth, you decided, you created this plan that a fully God, fully man in this, in this Christ Jesus would come and be able to perfectly save his people, atone for their sins, be the spotless lamb of God that washes all of our sins away. We give you all the glory and we long for Easter Sunday as we celebrate your victory over the grave. Amen.